Welcome to the Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church podcast, your place for positive, uplifting messages of hope. You can learn more at fredericksdachurch.org. Now here's Robert Quintana with this week's message, Bringing a Smile to God's Face. You know, every once in a while, pastors get stressed out, and uh, the, you know, the burdens of church and the burdens of meetings just kind of wears on a pastor. So every once in a while, pastors want to go on a retreat. And that was the case of these three pastors that decided that they were going to go on a retreat and kind of get away from the pressures of life, kind of get away from family and church and, and business meetings and, and all that stuff. So they, they decided that they were going to go on a retreat a weekend fishing trip. And so halfway through the trip, they found themselves out in this beautiful lake, out in the middle of this lake in a canoe, and they were just enjoying nature, enjoying life, enjoying just being away from everything and just relaxing. When one of the pastors turns to the other two and says, you know, I I feel like I need to share something with you. I need to get this off my chest. You know, we're, we're out here, and you guys are good friends of mine, your colleagues. I feel like I can, I can trust you with this. And so um, he says to them, I have a, a, a sin I need to confess. It's, you know, been weighing on my, on my heart. And he says, you know, because of the economic times, and, and my wife and I, we've been kind of going through some financial difficulties. He says, you know, I've kind of been taking some money, kind of been skimming off the... the the offering plate and you know I've been pocketing some of it and I haven't been faithful in my tithe and offerings and and he says I plan to give it back I I I plan to but it's just been weighing heavy and I just you know and so he kind of shared a little bit about his struggles and what he's going through and then one of the other pastors says well since we're sharing there's something that's been weighing heavy on my heart and he says I have to be honest with you I just haven't been as truthful as I as I should be you know, and I've caught myself lying, you know, and it started off with little white lies here and there, but it's getting progressively worse. And he says, you know, I'm lying to my church members. I'm lying to my wife. And, you know, I'm, I, I just want to come across as though I'm better than and I, I don't want to be embarrassed. I don't want to get put down. I, so I'm lying about where I've been and what I'm doing from day to day. Sometimes my wife says, well, where were you? And, and uh, you know, he feels guilty about what he's doing. So he'll make up a whole story. And, and I just, I've been struggling with lying. And so they kind of talk about that a little bit more. And then, you know, pretty soon the two pastors that just shared look at the other one that's sitting on, in the canoe who hasn't said a word. His mouth has been shut the whole time. And so they look at him, you know, like kind of hinting, okay, it's, it's your turn to share now. And so he's looking at them, and he doesn't really want to share, but he says, well, I guess it's my turn. Uh, since we're all sharing our weaknesses, I guess I'll share with you what my weakness is. And I have to tell you guys, I've been struggling with gossip, and I can't wait to get back. <laughs> Do you think he made it out, out of that boat? <laughs> uh, you know what the Bible says, that a merry heart doeth good like medicine. You know, it's important for us to sometimes take a time out and to take a chuckle, to take a laugh. You know, we live in a sin-stricken world, we live in a dark world, and it's so easy for us to focus on all the negative stuff around us. 
It's so easy for us to look at all the bad, to look at all the, all the don'ts of life. And it's important for us to sometimes take a step back and enjoy life because certainly when you take the moment to step back and look at all the good, you realize that there is so much good around us, so much good that God has blessed us with, given us, that he has surrounded us with, that he really wants us to enjoy. But sometimes we just get stuck at criticizing, we get stuck in the negative, we get stuck at only pointing out the bad, and we forego all of the good stuff that God has given us. We get depressed, we get worried, we walk around with long faces, and sometimes people look at us and say, wait a second, aren't you a Christian? Didn't Jesus die for you? And we walk around moping around us. Yeah, that's what the Bible says. And we're not living out the kind of life that God wants us to live. And sometimes it's important for us to take a step back and to start looking at the good things that God has given us. You know, maybe you've heard this story about a ship that comes up to an island. And as the ship is approaching an island, this man walks out of the woods And he says, finally, someone's here to save me. I've been stranded on this island all by myself for over five years. And the captain looks and he's a little perplexed. And he says, well, if you've been here alone for five years, why are there three huts? And he says, oh, that's easy. That hut over there I live in. That hut over there, that's the one I go to church to. And the captain's like, well, how about the third hut? He says, oh, that's the church I used to go to. (laughs) You see, there are times in life that if all we're doing is looking at the negative, all we're going to end up doing is running away, trying to find the joy in life, trying to find the pleasure in life. If we're constantly looking at the negative and we're constantly criticizing, we're just going to find ourselves alone, depressed, on an island, running around in circles. God wants us to be happy. God wants us to take joy and find pleasure in life. Now, the truth of the matter is, is that ever since we have fallen into sin, ever since the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve decided to go against God's principles, we have been searching for that joy. We have been searching for that happiness. And every one of us here has your own way of thinking. We have our own way of thinking of how we're going to find that happiness, how we're going to find that joy. And unfortunately, sometimes we think that we're going to find that joy aside from God's will for our lives, aside from what God has commanded in his word for our lives. And so we find ourselves searching everywhere, high and low, everywhere, in clubs, in homes, in relationships, in works. We find ourselves trying to find this joy, this happiness that God wants for us outside of God's will. But we're reminded today of the dialogue that Jesus had with that woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. You might remember this dialogue. Jesus says to her, if you continue to drink of this water, referring of this earthly water, this water that's in the well, if you continue to drink of this earthly resource, you will thirst again. Notice that Jesus implies that it will relieve your thirst, but just for a little bit. 
It will relieve your thirst, but it's only temporary. And then he goes on to say, but if you drink of my water, if you drink of the living water, you will never thirst again. In other words, in the presence of God, as we take in God's presence, as we search after God's will for our lives, that is the only place that we find true happiness, happiness that lasts for an eternity. I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to to a very powerful text found in Psalms, Psalms chapter 16, verse 11. Psalms chapter 16, verse 11. Psalms chapter 16, verse 11. I'm reading from the New King James Version. Psalms chapter 16, verse 11 says this. You will show me the path of life. Now, how many of you want to know the path of life? How many of you really desire to want to have life and know life and live life abundantly? Here the Bible says, you will show me, God will show me the path of life. And here it is, in your presence is fullness of joy, not partial joy. No, fullness of joy. In your presence is fullness of joy At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Not pleasures temporarily, not pleasures that come and go. No, at your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. You see, my friends, it is in the presence of God, it is as we seek Him that we find true purpose in life. It is where we find true happiness and joy and fulfillment in life as we are seeking after Him. So let me put it this way. I mean, put it in a way that we're all going to understand, in a way that we can remember as we walk out of here today. That as you strive to put a smile on God's face, you in turn will have a smile on your face. Let me say that again. As you strive to put a smile on God's face, you will have a smile on your face. You see, oftentimes we live life trying to put a smile on our own faces. And as a result, we end up in dead ends, roads that lead to nowhere. And we live this selfish life trying to put a smile on our own faces and we don't get anywhere. Yeah, we might get some temporary satisfaction. Yeah, for some time being, we might feel okay and say, well, this is working out. I'm really happy about this. But every one of us knows that when you seek out your own pleasure outside of God's will, it eventually leads to nowhere, to a dead end. It leads to destruction. It leads to addictions. It leads to broken relationships. And so our goal, really, our design, really, is to put a smile on God's face. And as we seek out and as we strive to bring pleasure to God and put a smile on God's face, guess what happens? We then live a life of joy. We then live a life of real, everlasting, full pleasure. We then live a life with a smile on our faces. And so now the question I want to ask you is, how can we put a smile on God's face? In other words, what can we do? How can we live out our lives in order to put a smile on God's face? Because remember that if we live a life 
trying to put a smile on God's face, we in turn will have a smile on our face because we are taking of that living water. We're drinking of that living water. We are living in his presence. We are at his right hand. So how can we then live a life where we are striving to put a smile on God's face? I want to just share with you a few. We're not going to look up all of these verses. If you're taking notes, get ready because I will give you the verses for these. But there's a very good book, and I can't believe that it's been around as long as it has already, entitled Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren. And, and in this book, he spends a lot of time discovering what our true purpose is in life. And basically, to sum it all up, it's this very thing. That our purpose in life is to glorify God, is to bring honor to him. Basically, how can we bring pleasure to God? In other words, how can I put a smile on his face? Because he argues that if we live a life where we're trying to put a smile on God's face, we will find our true purpose. We will discover our true design. And so there's this one chapter in there where he talks about things that we can do to bring pleasure to God or to bring a smile to God's face. And he looks at the life of Noah as an example. And here you have it. Things that we can do to put a smile on God's face. Number one, love him supremely. Genesis chapter six, verse nine. That our devotion, our love, our unconditional love needs to be reserved to him. And we need to point our attention to him just as Noah lived his life. Number two, trust him completely. In other words, we need to put our trust in him. Even though we may not see any clouds on the horizon, we need to trust in his words. And if he says, build a ship, we need to trust him and build that ship. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7 talks about how Noah trusted in God no matter what. And so do you want to put a smile on God's face? Trust him completely. Number three, we need to obey him wholeheartedly. Genesis chapter six, verse 22, we need to trust him wholeheartedly. When you look at the life of Noah, he was given some pretty specific instructions as to how to build the ark. And you know, he built that ark exactly how God commanded him. He could have said, you know what? I think it's too long. I think we need to build it shorter. You know what? I think it's too tall. We need to build it shorter. You know what? I don't like this wood. It's too heavy. It's too hard to cut down. Maybe we need to use another kind. No, 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 no. Noah did what? He obeyed him completely. And the Bible tells us that it put a smile on God's face. Number four, another thing that we learned from the life of Noah is that we need to praise and we need to thank him continually. Genesis chapter 8, verse 20. And so we need to live a life of gratitude, of thanking him for all the good that he's done, instead of constantly always looking at the negative, constantly criticizing. No, we need to praise and thank him. And the other thing that he points out here in his book is that we need to use our abilities, our God-given talents. We need to use those things for his honor and his glory. And we can find that in Genesis chapter 9. So there's a lot of things that we can do, a lot of ways that we can live our lives that are going to bring a smile to God's face. 
as we strive to put a smile on God's face, you need to understand that that is the only way that it's going to put an everlasting smile on your face. And there are many things that we can do throughout the day, throughout the week, in our relationships, whether at home or at work or at school, there are things that we can do to put a smile on God's face. We just looked at several of them here today. But I want to talk to you about what I think is the greatest thing, the biggest thing that puts a smile on God's face. In order for me to share with you what I think is the greatest thing, the biggest thing that puts a smile on God's face, I first want to share with you a verse that shows us what he does not like. Because the Bible is full of verses that says, these are things that I bring pleasure to me. These are things that I love. But then there are a few verses where it says, these are things I do not take pleasure in. I do not like this at all. And so I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 23, tells us something, shows us something, tells us something that God does not like. And by looking at this, it will teach us what God really likes. Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 23. Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 23. Listen to this. God says, do I have any pleasure at all that the wicked should die? He's asking a question, a rhetorical question. Obviously, the answer to this question is, of course not. I do not take pleasure in the wicked dying. Do I have any pleasure at all that the wicked should die, says the Lord God, and not that he should turn from his ways and live? He says, I do not take pleasure when the wicked decide to go down a road that leads to destruction. No, I take pleasure in them turning from their wicked ways and finding life. That's what I love that's what I love to see. That's what puts a smile on my face, God says. When I see someone who's been going down the wrong road for a long time, all of a sudden get it and say, wait a second, I don't want to go down this road anymore. I want to turn from these evil, wicked ways, and I want to start doing things according to God's plan for my life. The Bible tells us that God takes joy in that. Read verse 32. It says, for I have no pleasure in the death of of one who dies, says the Lord God. Therefore, turn and live. I don't take pleasure from those who, who decide to ruin their lives. I don't take pleasure from those who, who decide to make choices that are going to lead to pain and depression and sorrow. I do not take pleasure in that. He says, I wish they would turn from their ways. That's what brings me happiness. That's what brings me joy. That's what puts a smile on my face. I'd like for you to turn now in your Bibles to 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. Listen to God's desire here. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. Who, speaking of God, desires all men to be saved. How many? All men. Not some. Not just the good ones. No, no, no. He says all men. 
He says, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now, if you were to do some some cross-referencing here and read some other translations, I, I really like how other translations put it because the second half of the verse here where it says, and to come to the knowledge of the truth, some translations will read something like, and to come into a relationship with God. In other words, your knowledge of the truth, as you become more and more aware of who God is, you are entering into that relationship with him. That's what God desires. That's what God wants. That's what puts a smile on God's face is when you seek him, when you find yourself in, your, in his presence, when you find yourself at his right hand, this is what puts a smile on God's face when you enter into a relationship with him. Turn with me to 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. Now, that word slack, uh, you might think, well, I don't know what that means, but let me just kind of put it in, in modern terms. Does anyone here know a slacker? Raise your hand if you know who, if you know a slacker. You might be looking over to your husband or, no, I'm just joking. Hopefully, right? A, a slacker, someone who's lazy, Someone who doesn't like to get out of bed in the morning. Someone who's always sitting in the couch or someone who's always sitting in the pew. Oops. A slacker. Someone who doesn't get to work. Someone who doesn't exercise. You are a slacker. You need to get off your butt and you need to work. Right? A slacker. Listen to what the Bible says here. The Lord is not... Slack concerning his promises as some count slackness. In other words, we define slackness by someone who is lazy, someone who's doing nothing, up to no good. You're a slacker. Bible says God is not slack concerning his promises. You know, sometimes we think that. You know, sometimes we read his promises and we're like, God, why are you delaying? God, you know, what are you doing? God, what what are you waiting for? And and sometimes we kind of put him in that category of of a slacker, you know? Like, God, come on, get with it. It's time to get to work here. You know, we're all working down here. What what are you doing up there, right? You know, sometimes we, we tend to think that. And I'm so glad here that Peter reminds us, whoa, whoa, wait a second. God isn't slacking off. He's not being lazy as you would think. No, no, no. It says, but is long suffering. In other words, he is suffering long. He is patient towards us. Listen to this. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's what God's waiting for. That's why God hasn't returned. 
He loves us so much that, that he puts off his promises and he says, wait, wait, not yet, not yet. I, I, I'm pretty sure that Johnny's going to give their life over today. I, I'm pretty sure that Mike's going to give his life over today. I, I'm pretty sure that Sally's going to give her life over today. J- just give them just one more day, just one more week. Let's just give them one more month because I, I know that the Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church is, is working hard to reach the community of Frederick and they're going to win souls to the kingdom. So let's just wait off just a a few more months while they do their work and win people over to the kingdom. God's will, what brings pleasure to him, what puts a smile on his face is when people come to repentance, when they come into a relationship with him, when they surrender self and they're saved. That's what brings joy to him. Turn to the book of Luke, Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15, what a beautiful chapter that teaches us of God's grace, of his mercy, of his patience with us, of his love for the lost. Luke chapter 15, starting with verse 1, it says, Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. Now, let me ask you a question. Why would Jesus have that kind of reputation? Why would Jesus have the reputation where he hung out with sinners and tax collectors and prostitutes? Why would he have that kind of a reputation? Why? Because he takes pleasure, he takes joy in the salvation of men. And so, of course, he's going to be at the bar winning souls for the kingdom. Of course, he's going to be downtown in the streets winning souls for the kingdom. That's what brings joy to God. And so it says here in verse three, so he spoke this parable to them. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, He lays it on his shoulder. What? Rejoicing, the Bible says. Rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise there is more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. What is joy? What what does God take joy in? I mean, really, what puts a smile on God's face if it's not men and women surrendering their lives to him? This is why you will often hear pastors say at the baptismal tank that the angels of heaven are joining in the celebration. You will hear a pastor say, God himself is right here, smiling, jubilant. He is rejoicing because one of his lost sheep has been found and they are surrendering their life over to him. And so here you go. You want to have a smile on your face? Do you want to have the kind of smile on your face that lasts for eternity? You know, have that sense of joy and happiness that never fades. Think about this. What do I need to do then to bring a joy 
to bring a smile to God's face? What can I do to bring pleasure to him? Here it is. Surrender your life. Give your life over to him. You want a smile on your face? Let's put a smile on God's face. And how can we do that? By surrendering our lives to him. Now, guess what? We have an opportunity to do that. Every one of us here today has an opportunity to put a smile on God's face as we surrender our lives to him through the act of communion. This is something that's been given to the church. It's something that we've done for many, many years. It is something that God has given us to remind us of the sacrifice that Jesus Christ took on the cross, the sacrifice that took place on the cross to give us an opportunity so that we can surrender our lives to him. And as we partake of foot washing and communion, what we are doing in essence is saying, God, I accept the sacrifice of Jesus on me. I accept the sacrifice of Jesus on my behalf. I am accepting you into my life. Know this, that when you do that, you put a smile on God's face. And know this, that by putting a smile on God's face, you will walk out of here with a smile on your face. Because as the Bible tells us in Psalms, that being in the presence of God brings joy and happiness. Being at his right hand allows us to experience this joy forever. No matter where you are in your spiritual journey, Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church would love to help you along the way. We're a family-oriented, grace-filled church serving the Frederick, Maryland area. You can learn more about us at fredericksdachurch.org. For more podcasts, click on Sermon Audio.